From crypto winter to crypto geopolitics, from ChatGPT to AI avatars, from zero-proof identity to CBDCs and new forms of GovTech. Join inventors, artists, musicians, gamers, bankers, policymakers, and rebels for a discussion on how technology is reshaping our world. From our offices in Dubai, this is the UAE Tech Podcast. We can certainly see, I mean, how AI has shaped the modern cameras. So for instance, it, it means that the video analytics applications become a lot more reliable. So you can detect people, cars, you can classify scenes uh, and do a lot of work on that. Uh, you can also do what people don't expect, and that is to increase the image quality. Because with AI, you understand if it's daylight, if it's rainy, if it's sunny, if it's foggy, and can adjust the image compression and image quality settings accordingly. Martin Glenn began tinkering with print servers back in 1984, eventually co-founding a company that would become a world leader in network video. In 1996, he invented the Axis 2000 and NetEye with a Carl Axel aim the first network camera. Today our discussion covers thermal cameras, cameras so sophisticated they can monitor traffic 24 hours a day, and of course AI. A combination of artificial intelligence and edge computing, together with an unusual capability for in-house chip making, means that Axis looks to a future in which cameras can make decisions and are situationally aware be it improving their settings during adverse weather conditions or honing into conversations from a distance or even in a crowded room. Don't say we didn't warn you. Today we're delighted to be joined by Martin Gren, the co-founder of Access, to talk about changes in network cameras and camera technology. Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. So what is Axis Communications? And can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this space? So uh, together with my two fellows, Michael Carlson and Keith Budworth, I founded Axis back in uh, 1984. And at that time, we did print servers and already in the beginning, being a Swedish company, we defined that uh, our home market should be Germany. And uh, that gave us a good export focus. And in, even in the early days, we actually started selling in uh, the Middle East region, initially in Kuwait. Uh, then the next big milestone, that happened in 1996, when me and a colleague called Axel Alm introduced the world's first IP network camera. And uh, it was kind of slow, one frame every 17 seconds, but that could only get better. And we saw an industry which was all analog. And of course, we knew that it was going to go digital like anything else in society. And so just picking you up on that, what is a print server? And when you were working on this at the time, how was a network camera? Um, how was that optimum? How was that better? So uh, a print server, that's a device you had to connect the printer to an, uh, initially an IBM mainframe, but later 
to like a PC network, because at that time, printers had a Centronics port, you may remember. Uh, and uh, our little product, I mean, was basically the bridge between initially the IBM computer network and later between a modern network mm. like TCP IP and uh, in a CAT6 cable. So this was our legacy. We built up the company by a strict partner strategy that we never, ever bypass our, our channel. So we're always loyal to the partners and we sell through distributors who bring it into the countries where you have local integration. So when we started doing the cameras, we of course knew no other way of doing the business. So we just used the same model. And that was at a time when CCTV products were typically sold either using like a manufacturer's rep or a very mixed model where manufacturers sold direct through distribution and direct to integrators. And we didn't do that because we're always loyal to my partners. And I think that is the reason why we have been so successful together, of course, with our fantastic products. Yeah. And I must say, I think something we've all encountered recently is this growing sophistication and ability of some of the camera technologies out there, even at the consumer end, but certainly at the you know more advanced end. So it's a difficult question, and I don't expect you to to answer it because there's a lot of to answer it, you know, succinctly, but where are we today? I mean, you've been in this industry from the beginning. How does the sophistication of the cameras today compare to those of the past? And what are the kind of things that you're doing today with some of the cameras that you're using? Well, I mean, uh, uh, when we came with the first camera, it was one frame every 17 seconds. Oh, and that wow. was great for, oh. <laughs> yeah. But that was great for remote monitoring, checking out like oil spills or uh, checking out cell phone antennas and that type of stuff was a great application at the time. And it actually required like two frames a day. So uh, lots of applications still that doesn't require more. But of course, I mean, in order to do real security, you need to be 30 frames per second. So we decided to invest in chips that made this possible. So that we came up to uh, the 30 frames and that we call the Artpec one. So that was the time when our, te our technology actually was mature. So uh, we started to sell into more big installations. Our first airport, for instance, it was the Sydney airport just for the Olympics. So they wanted a new technology. And we found a lot of other big installations at the time. So then uh, uh, next wave, which I think we're also going to talk a lot about today, that is the video analytics and AI. So Axis, we introduced the world's first edge analytics back in 2001. And that uh, advanced edge analytics, yes, it was a video motion detection. We don't consider that very sophisticated today, but at the time it was. And that was quite a new thing that you could do it across the edge, not just on a server. So what do you mean by the edge capability for our audience? And also, does this mean that software is or was becoming as increasingly important as the hardware you were making? Yes, you're absolutely right on that. So in the beginning, I mean, we, we didn't think much about the software. And we just told people, but hey, you can I bookmark the IP addresses in your browser. And we thought people were happy for that, which was, of course, wrong. So 
when we saw the emergence of the, the VMS companies, I mean, both Milestone and Genetic were basically founded on the fact that they saw the Axis cameras and they realized that there was a need for a software. So uh, uh, that was really the birth of that industry. Yeah, it's true. And so fast forward to today, I know you've been taking part and are interested in Intersec, so quite a large UAE, is it security conference? Um, but certainly security-themed conference. Um, and Axis is there, and I know you've been talking about thermometric monitoring. Excuse me if I pronounced that wrong. You've and we call it thermal cameras. Thermo cameras. And thermal. you've got this network horn speaker. So can you tell me a little bit about the, you know, these two technologies and some of the other products that you're talking about today in 2024 and how they might be relevant to, you know, a country like the UAE? Yeah. No, uh, I mean, I've uh, always enjoyed the market in UAE because the Intersec trade show, I think after ISC West in Las Vegas, uh, which is the best, uh, definitely Intersec is the clear number two uh, because it's an extremely professional uh, trade show and mm. it's also a very professional market, which uh, I like. Uh, so I've been there, uh, coming there basically, I think first time was like 15 years ago. I come there every second year. Uh, there are so many trade shows around the world, but the Intersec is a bit of a favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It it does look to be a, a big, um, big gathering. So in terms of the innovations that are happening, why is it that you have this explosion in thermal cameras? Why is it that you have uh, a network speakers um, that can uh, install, configure, and work in long-range audio? What are the kind of use cases here? I know you're also using these cameras for traffic monitoring. So I guess two questions. What are the use cases, but also... How do you go about putting the hardware and the software for these cutting edge devices together? Yeah, so I mean, uh, uh, actually UAE is one of the bigger markets for thermal cameras. So thermal cameras is basically based on the principle that for a visual camera you can hide, but for a thermal camera you really can't hide. So thermal cameras are really great for perimeters, for border control, uh, and uh, that, that is the main market. They're also good for like oil and gas uh, applications. And in the oil and gas environment, uh, if you are within the critical zone, you have to have explosion-proof cameras. And uh, that's why we have began taking that up. So we now have a unit that sells the, the thermal, uh, well, sorry, the explosion-proof cameras as well. Yeah, uh, I, did, and these, I, I saw you guys also put a camera in, in an ice hockey rink somewhere. Um, yeah. So, yeah, well, you've got both sides covered. You've got from freezing to um, explosion-proof cameras, which sounds something out, like something out of sci-fi. Um, so that makes sense. That I think both of those make sense. Going forwards, of course, one of the, the main reasons we wanted to have you on the podcast was not just to talk about software and hardware and not just to talk about how clearly camera technology has rapidly developed, but also the role of AI 
and and to get your feedback on that. Is AI already reshaping what your company is looking at and what you're working on? Well, AI is certainly, I mean, the buzzword that's here to stay. Uh, well, remember like 15 years ago, there was a big hype on video analytics that uh, definitely overpromised and underdelivered. And now the last couple of years, I mean, the main thing has been AI. And uh, we can certainly see, I mean, how AI has shaped the modern cameras. So for instance, it, it means that the video analytics applications become a lot more reliable. So you can uh, detect people, cars, it can classify scenes uh, and do a lot of work on that. Uh, you can also do what people don't expect, and that is to increase the image quality. Because with AI, you understand if it's daylight, if it's rainy, if it's sunny, if it's foggy, and can adjust the image compression and image quality settings accordingly. So that represents a major step, and that's a part of AI that people don't think so much about. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, I didn't think about that at all. Um, is it expensive to do some of the R&D in terms of, you know, figuring out how to build these products and how to apply AI to um, hardware and how to integrate it with software. How do you go about doing that kind of R&D? What is your process? Um, how did you begin coming up with these innovations? So at Axis, I mean, we began live doing print servers. Uh, and already when we did our print servers, we designed our own chipsets uh, that made them superior. And we took this legacy, the first IP camera, that was uh, one frame every 17 seconds. We made our first chip, which we called the RPEC-1, back in 1998. Mm. Uh, then we have kept on innovating and doing the new chip generation. So today we are on generation 8 that we launched two and a half years ago. And uh, generation 8 contains a lot of AI deep learning modules. It's actually the main part of the chip area. And uh, this has all been possible because of the evolution of Moore's law. And that is the reason we see so much of uh, the deep learning, I mean, in media and product announcements and so on. So the cost of the hardware when you run it on the edge is really marginal compared to the old way a couple of years ago when you had to run it in the cloud on a lot of NVIDIA uh, PC-based servers, which certainly do the job, but uh, they cost quite a lot of money. Yeah, and j just for more information on that, I mean, if you read the newspapers, you'd think developing chips is incredibly difficult and expensive. So what do you mean by that? Are you creating chips specifically for the Axis cameras, or do you buy the chips from third parties, modify them and install them in the cameras? Because clearly if you're making your own chips, that's a very interesting um, side of the business in itself. No, we certainly make our own chips. So uh, that is, uh, I mean, the secret sauce in our company that we have that. Definitely. And uh, you can only make your own chips. I mean, if you have uh, uh, enough volume, and fortunately we do have that volume here. Yeah, well, that that's super interesting. Um, didn't didn't think that would be the case at all. What are the cybersecurity implications of having your own chips? Does that help you understand uh, and defend your networks uh, in a way that other companies can't? 
Yes, it absolutely does. So uh, cybersecurity, I mean, that has really been our focus the last uh, years. We actually had our first cybersecurity issue with our products. That was our print servers back in 1996. So that's when we set up our network security team. And uh, obviously, they have been extended ever since, especially in today's world where it's a lot of virus issues. So uh, we have, for instance, something we call the secure boot, which guarantees that the, the firmware image that your, your camera is running is the one it should run. Uh, and uh, we have uh, uh, a lot of other uh, methodology uh, built in into, in order to secure it. Cybersecurity, what is most important, that is actually to have it as, a, on, as an ongoing process. Because even if you do take all measures, uh, you are, uh, you will be having some uh, cyber issues that needs to be upgraded because you have so many external libraries in today's world. So what we have set up is that uh, we have a team that uh, when there is an issue, so that they can not only fix it, but also roll it out and test it across all our products within 30 days. And that is the industry standard when somebody finds a bug, that it should be corrected and updated within 30 days. Then it is the time it takes for the customer to update it. And the customer needs good tools, which makes it possible to upgrade all your cameras. And that could be a cumbersome process if you have tens of thousands of cameras, which is very often the case in the UAE. Uh, and finally, people tend to use their cameras way longer than they're specified for. Uh, in, in UAE, this is not a big problem because you have local laws, which basically stipulates to replace it. But uh, uh, in many other countries, people tend to use their cameras for more than 10 years. Uh, and uh, we, what we do is that we guarantee that we will do cybersecurity upgrades in the cameras, even when we are out of warranty. And uh, I think that is what we were definitely the first company offering that. It's interesting. There are a lot of moving parts to this industry that you don't immediately think of when you're looking at cameras. And I suppose one question there is, what is the most interesting part of what you do from day to day? When you look at Axis as a company, what are the areas that you just think are really cool and interesting, just on a personal basis? Well, on a personal basis, it is actually, of course, I love to play with our products. I install them, most of them in my house. But it's really the people, because we have built up a, a culture of trust, which basically reflects the business model. So we, uh, uh, whenever I travel abroad, I meet a similar uh, culture. So if I go to the UAE office, I recognize the type of people from the type of people we have in headquarters. And the same goes for basically every office. I always joke about... Uh, my daughter's favorite access office, that's in Cape Town in South Africa. It's a very small office, but it shows a lot of big passion. And it's so nice to visit. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess we're coming to the end of the recording today, but I wanted to ask, where do you think the future is going for these technologies? In five years time, 10 years time, what is the camera of tomorrow? And what is it capable of doing? 
Well, I mean, we certainly see a lot of things happening. I mean, driven out of the the AI, and uh, we are in the Arctic Eight generation, and the next generation will obviously be number nine and contain even more of these abilities. So I think you will see cameras that will be able to do a lot of decision making already out on the edge. And that will save a lot on the software cost because today you need to run it on special servers. Uh, we will see image quality improving. That is a continuous ongoing battle. We invented the technology called LightFinder uh, some 10 years ago, which was the ability to see even see color even at night. Uh, but of course, no, it's not just color. You really want to see good details as well. And a lot of things have happened since those 10 years. And then you find the new, uh, completely new innovations such as multi-imager. So you have one camera with just multiple eyes instead of just a single one. Uh, you see better and better zoom abilities. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of things happening, actually. It's a fun world. A lot of change indeed. Martin Grant, thank you so much for joining us on the UAE Tech Podcast. Well, thank you for hosting me. Sponsor information. The UAE Tech Podcast is distributed by Alboaba Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes, please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Alboaba Business, syndication distribution on Alboaba Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Alboaba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.